This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Working class on Deercast episode forty three. Austin Chandler, what's up? What's going on, buddy? It's you and I in here, and uh, it's good to see you again. Good to see you, my man. <laughs> it's done. been it's been what a week? Yeah, really, it's never really that long. <laughs> but they don't know that. <laughs> Nobody knows really, but I guess I do. Uh, trucks driving by in New Windsor. We're here in the studio, and we're gearing up for whitetail season. It's coming in very hot. Um, are you ready? Are you prepared? Oh man, not yet. I can't believe how fast the seasons go now. They say the older yeah. you get, the faster they go, and I think there's some truth in that. I think it says we're busier, just like consumed with other stuff. Like when you're a kid, remember you used to get bored. Mm-hmm. When's Doesn't happen time? anymore. Well, yeah. When's the last time you were bored? <laughs> there's always something you could be doing, you know. And then you might procrastinate a little bit, but you could always be doing something. Um, let's just jump into it because I want to take uh, advantage of every minute we have here on the podcast. I reached out to Patreon members of Working Class Bowhunter. Shout out to you guys there. Um, and I, I just did a few uh, for the top two top tiers on our Patreon. I said, hey, I'm going to have Austin on uh, Working Class on DeerCast. Please hit him some, with some questions. So I figured we'll just chip through these. You have not read any of these questions to clarify. and uh, I don't get time to study. That's okay, though. That makes it more fun, right? Oh, yeah. I always try to read all of them candid. So that's it, it, if I can read correctly, it works great. But the question's confusing. It, it causes a big stall in the podcast. But I just let it ride because that's authentic, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Tyler, no last name. Thanks for the support. Uh, does he hunt by any bigger rivers? And if so, does the current affect the wind? That's a fun question. Uh, what's up, Tyler? Um, not. I don't hunt immediately next to any big rivers. Like I live two or three miles from the Mississippi river, but mm-hmm. I don't hunt close to the Mississippi. Um, I've got some Creek bottom ground. 
I hunt a, I hunt a variety of farms. I've got bluff farms. I've got big creek bottom farms. I mean, lots of ag. I've got big timber tracks. Um, and the wind's going to behave differently in all those farms. But um, as far as hunting next to any big river, no, I don't have any. I don't have any experience with what the wind's doing next to a huge body of water. Mm-hmm. Now, next to uh, smaller, I would say like tributaries of that big river. Um, I can't say that I've noticed a whole lot of change in what the wind's doing there versus on a bluff. I okay. mean, topo- topography is going to do a lot more for the wind than the actual body of water. Yeah. That was going to bring up on our YouTube. We have that video of you shooting that big buck, uh, with your recurve and mm-hmm. you, you pull him through that river. Now it's not a big river, but it's not a creek either. Yeah, it it can be deep. That time of year it wasn't, but yeah, I was hunting seventy yards off of that creek. It's just a great travel corridor. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I in that situation, I just put the wind so it was blowing right over the creek, and I had the I had the uh, travel corridor on the other side of me, and he read the script and came in and did everything the way he was supposed to. So he never had yeah. a chance to get my win. Yeah. All right. Well, honest answer. You could have made something up to like fit that question. Yep. But you didn't. I, did, I don't hunt next to a river. <laughs> <laughs> In a van down by the river. Uh, Lee Herr, um, the cult leader, as we call him here. Uh, thanks for your patronage, Lee. You're such a great person. Oh, hey, Lee's behind the oh, camera. Oh, hey, hey look, Lee. looky there. Hey, but your, your question's <laughs> here, so I'm looking at the question. Uh, what big projects or plans are you looking forward to doing on your new Iowa farm? I actually got to do a few of these this summer. I uh, actually bought a skid steer because of this Iowa farm. It 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 gave Sorry. me it gave me enough of an excuse to buy one. I already had two big farms that needed some skid steer work, and when I bought this Iowa one, I'm like, you know what? That's that's enough. It's enough to justify buying this thing. Mm-hmm. So I went in. I bought a badass mower for it. I got this skid steer, and I went in and I shredded a bunch of this nice south facing stuff that was just overgrown with briars and multi-floor rows and just it was just garbage it was not usable for the deer at all so i went in and shredded off a bunch of this nice stuff and just kind of kind of see what native grasses comes come back up and if i don't like what i'm seeing next spring i'll go in and i'll i'll pop some switchgrass in there and spray it and all that too yep go in and kill it off spray it and i'll come in with a no-till drill and drill in some switchgrass Mm. and and, uh get the deer using those south facing slopes but that that iowa farm's got some nice south facers and there's a nice transition period in between and then the ag on the other side. So it's going to be, it's set up to hold deer the right way. It's how satisfying is it to see a farm kind of, I don't want to say look junky, but it kind of just looks messy and then going in with a skid steer and clean. That's got to just be like satisfying to do. Those are the funnest farms for me. When you find the blank slate, like the farms that haven't had much work done to them in the last decade. Right. And you can see the potential and there's already deer using that farm. But when you go in and do some work, it really opens it up really, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's fun too. Um, what do you, all right. Lee also throws a bonus question in. Uh, what are your goals for the season? Oh, pretty much the same as they always are, I guess, to kill the most mature deer that I have between all my farms. Um, you know, targeting the most mature animals, what I've always done. And yeah, hopefully this year, you know, that monster is living on one of my farms. So, if I get lucky enough to wrap two tags around him in Illinois, then that'll be a good season. All right. Fair, fair. Uh, this is a fun question. Chris J asks, uh, is, so we have like inside jokes with the podcast where we have like the Illinois boys, the Iowa boys. Well, the Illinois boys is always myself, 
Austin, Ross, and then Iowa is Doug, Eric, and for the sake of Lee being here, you know, like anybody that's in Iowa, right? So we always have like this hunting camp, like friendly feud that we're, it's made up, but like we kind of make small dumb yeah. bets over it and stuff. So Chris asks, does Austin get to be on both Illinois and Iowa teams? <laughs> I say no, because you're a resident of Illinois. Technically, I'm still a resident of Illinois, so I'm going to have to probably err on the side of Illinois for now. Mm-hmm. Right. Eventually. Respect. The goal is to be the Iowa boy and be able to come over as a non-resident in Illinois. The transplant. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll find a replacement. <laughs> we'll find a replacement, Illinois. Uh, they just want you over there because they're slacking so hard. I got to help them out. Yeah, it's like a handicap for them. We'll help them out for a little bit. So their team will just have a big asterisk next to it while you're on their team. Yes. Uh, previous Illinois boy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this is cool. Michael Olson, shout out to you, buddy. What's the biggest features that he looks at when buying a new farm? Like what separates the good properties from the great properties? Is it terrain-based or more habitat-based? Honestly, one thing that I like to look at is uh, I like to look at trail camera pictures and history of the genetics in the area. Mm-hmm. And a lot, I know a lot of times you don't have that, but in the modern era, most people are running trail cameras. And if you're seeing a farm that has the genetic potential of what you want, that's to me, that's a big piece of the puzzle. Like yeah. you can find a farm that lays out great. I mean, it's got everything you need, but if it's not in the right genetic pocket, it, when you're looking for booners, when you're looking for big deer, you're kind of wasting your time if you're not seeing prior history of booners. Yeah. So for me, that's the biggest thing that I look for is, you know, am I in the right genetic area? It's probably the biggest thing for land sales too. Our concern now is like, you know, as a land owner, do you have trail cam pictures to go with your land that you want to sell to either flip for a new piece or because, you know, thinking about the little piece that I have, every big buck I get on cameras, uh, a value in look what's what look what's here or can or, you know, I guess it's what was actually there. You're not making it up or it's right. not like, well, I wonder what could be here. Hopefully it's a good area. It's like, no, this is what is here. No, it adds value to your farm. I mean, if, and a lot of guys don't ever plan on selling their farm, but if you are in kind of the mode that I'm in where you, you know, you'll buy a farm and have it for a few years and then flip it and try to get into a different farm. Um, I can't emphasize the value that trail cameras and pictures bring to that when you go to list it. I mean, yeah. if you have, if you've got a well-documented history on your farm, it's, you're going to get more money for your farm. For sure. So that's a, that's an interesting look. Um, I wonder if Michael thought about that, you know, but um, I guess good properties to great properties. That's the difference, right? I mean, it's always fun to have g- good terrain to look at and, mm-hmm. you know, you can look at a map and be like, shit, if I was going to hunt there, I'd be in that pinch point. Like, some properties don't offer that obvious stuff. You got to get down and see how the deer use it. Yep. But that's, um, and you can create a lot of that too. That's why I don't like, and you want a property that naturally lays out good, right? You want, you want South facing slopes. You want spur ridges. I mean, you want all these things that big bucks like, but if I can be picky and I can pick where I'm going to buy my next farm, I'm going to pick an area that has genetic potential Mm -hmm. and then I'll hone in and find, okay, this farm has the terrain features that I want within this pocket. Yeah. Yeah. That could probably be my property that I bought probably falls in that category of almost no terrain features, but the right genetic area. It's in the right area and it's on a natural travel corridor. So you're going to be in the chips. Yeah. And I didn't have a ton of like trail cam. I didn't have actually any trail cam photos from the farm that I bought, but 
um, historically it's known to be yep. a big buck killing area. Yep. So mine falls into that like bland flavor as far as terrain is concerned, but real tasty when it comes to potential having an opportunity at some point. Yeah. I don't there's, think it'll be every season, but at some point there will be an opportunity. There's no question of the genetic potential in the area you bought in. I mean, mm-hmm. we all knew that you're probably season after season you're gonna see big deer out of that little forty acre parcel. I hope so. But interesting answer. Um Brandon Pollock, uh Kurt and the Lord <laughs> Hey, the Lord. What's up? Brought that back. I almost didn't introduce you as Lord. I didn't uh, so thanks, Brandon. Curtin the Lord, what do you see happening in the next five years for the podcast and the WCB team? Um, that's the first part. He's got kind of a, a second part to this, too. So that's a good one. Next five years for the podcast and the WCB team. So uh, there's not a lot we can say at the moment, I guess, um, because we're still working through what I think is going to be the future of our brand and some expansion and growth and tackling different things. Um, as far as podcasting is concerned, Mark kind of asked this question. We were down at his place and uh, Joe Rogan just said this on a podcast. He guessed it on actually. And I really, he's the Godfather. Right. And I really liked that. He said this and he's like, he was on this podcast and they had like, they had him walk out like a late night show to sit down. <laughs> like he wasn't already at the table and they had lights and an applause and all this stuff. And it's like, that's not really podcasting. I think if you start doing that other stuff, it's no longer a podcast. It kind of loses what is so beautiful about podcasting, which is like it's simplistic, it's raw, it's organic, it's trustworthy. Yeah. We're we're coming to you as we are. We're talking uncuffed. We're unscripted. We're just going for it. That's what I think the allure is to podcasting. And I think it's where radio shows are falling off and late night shows, nobody cares about them like they did in the nineties and the early two thousands. So I think as soon as you go out of that box of what is podcasting, it's no longer podcasting. So if we're staying a podcast, I think that's important, but also be innovative with the content and how we do it and how we come across to the listener. Yes, I think so. I mean, we're basically going to keep doing what we're doing. Hopefully five years down the road, we're delivering information to the working class people in a, in a way that's, you know, fun to, mm-hmm. to take in and people enjoy listening to it. And that's yeah. what we've always been about. Yeah. I think one, another thing I can see us diving into, and I don't know where this will lead, but it's something that's in my head that I know it's something we want to pull out at, you know, as a team, pull on this and trying to channel it is like getting people that always said, man, I wish I could go on that hunt. I want to be able to grab those opportunities for people and, and lay them out for guys that are scared that it might be too expensive, are scared to get out of their comfort zone. And like, I don't want to drive all the way across the country. I don't know what the terrain's like. I want to bring opportunities to the real working class bow hunters out there and make them realize like, Oh, this is all really realistic. So that's one thing I have in my head to really tackle is like, you know, this Africa thing, for example, like we have plans to show you how attainable that is, even though it seems so crazy. Yeah. We've got no Um, problem being the guinea pigs. We'll go do it first and report back. That's fine. Well, what better way though? Like if you listen to our show, if you actually believe in what we do and you trust who we are as people that we go and have fun and it's like, Hey, we talk to those guys like, Hey, why don't we set up a camp with our listeners? Like more people need to experience this. We can come back and be like, listen, this is awesome. We're going to try and go out. It's like we've been doing with our bear camps, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, by the way, we do have a Canadian bear camp coming the same week as our Wyoming. Wyoming booked. We have a Canadian bear camp coming. 
Um, and I have details. I think there's four spots left. I think the price is like thirty three hundred dollars. It's gonna be a riot. Um, includes basically everything you need. Yeah. Um, it's in. Uh, well, just hit me up. I'll get you all the info. There's four spots left. I think there'll be nine spots total. That's how much I've booked, and we haven't even publicly announced it yet. So, um, I think in that camp, it's gonna be me, you, Ross, Clint, our bud Todd, uh, Anderson. My buddy Cody's going. Cody. John's going to go. John's going. Lee, you trying to go? Maybe. Lee might go. <laughs> um, so that'd be three spots available. There's three spots available. Um, but that's some of the stuff we want. There's a lot in the in the pot cooking, a lot of irons in the fire. Um, but we're thinking about things, right? Yeah. So. If Good you question. Want, yeah. If you want to be a part of it, we're going to try to make you a part of it. Um, and then the second part. Um, how are you guys getting your farms to what you dream of what you wanted your farm set up? You kind of covered that a little bit with yours. Yeah, they, I mean, you could spend a lot of time on that question, really fine-tuning the property to the exact way that you want it. Obviously, we're big deer hunters, so when we buy a farm, you know, we're trying to tailor it to big whitetails. That's our specific focus. But yeah, yeah. like Chase Burns said, when he buys a farm, he likes to see a lot of those, uh, the native species coming back in and... Yeah. Uh, a lot more focus on um, the habitat work and that, whereas I think you and I are a little more shallow. We just want to see big antlers coming off <laughs> we're, of it. We're shallow. <laughs> we're pretty shallow. Um, for me, this first year, because our fall, my fall, I already know this year was abnormally busy for us. Like it's gone crazy. Um, just things we're doing. So I'm not doing a ton to my farm this year. I was going to try and cram a food plot in. I want to do it right. And the timing with this elk hunt coming up, and I'm just, it's just going to be pushing. It's pushing time with the family while I'm home. It's stressing that. It's the work is getting stressful. I'm pre preparing all this content, doing all this stuff. Anyway, you can hear me complain um, on other podcasts, but <laughs> um, I'm almost to the point where I'm going to hunt it this year, see how deer naturally move it um, because I don't know anything about it. Then next year, come in with a plan and maybe start a spring clover plot and then. Uh, transform that into a fall plot. I got I got some ideas, but mm -hmm. I because it's such a small a small farm and a lot of it's like a travel corridor. I really want to channel how the deer are using it in every way possible to get them to stay or linger longer. So that that's not funny. Linger Ling, longer. Linger longer. Um, so next year after hunting it this fall, that'll be my plan of attack. Yeah. And it's also not going to be a farm that I'm going to beat the death out of either. It's only forty acres. You right. know, I'm gonna I'll probably hunt it the majority of the time from October twentieth through firearm season here in Illinois. That's where I'll be on that property the most. I probably won't ever be on it at all before October 15th, unless I just want to get that first hanker and hunt on, out on it early, early, and then I probably won't go back in. Being conservative until I think I need to be aggressive. There you go. You got it figured out. Yeah, I don't think I do, but that's uh, it sounds great when I splur bullshit on a <laughs> podcast, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm fired up, man. I'm getting excited. Vermont Fishing Adventures. Uh, I know many have been talked about before, but any tips on hunting big woods? No ag fields for miles. I'm out on this one. I don't know. I'm out on that one. I, I hunt in an area like my favorite 160 is all timber. I mean, it's got my food plots. It's got three or four acres of food on it, and that's yeah. it. But it has surrounding ag around it. So um, I can't say that I have a lot of experience in big woods where it's just miles and miles of timber. This just doesn't exist in our area. Not, not for me. I mean, there's there's some state ground that's close to me that's big pine forest, but I've honestly never hunted it. So I really can't 
Yeah. I can't say anything there with any validity. And I grew up hunting. The farm I grew up on was all timber, no ag. I mean, bordering, you know, um, not right up on it, but neighboring f- properties had ag. Um, and mine was just like, you know, I looking back, I hunted all wrong, but I was learning, you know. It's like you get two opportunities a year is what my dad and I always said. If you blew them, you, you, there, there it goes. That's all we got a year on good bucks. I mean, you just had to put your time in. And you're hunting terrain features as best as you can. But looking back now, man, I wish I could have. I'm glad I, I didn't. I, I needed it, right? I'm glad I learned on that property. But going back now, I would have grabbed myself and been like, what are you? And shook my face. Like, on <laughs> was it Billy Madison where he grabs that kid's face? Stay here as long as, <laughs> as, long as you yeah, can. I would have done that to me, but been telling myself to hunt it differently, you know? Cherish it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so we don't really have a lot on that. And I don't know if a lot of guys will unless they have that Eastern big. You got you got some experience, Lee? You want to hop in here? Why don't I just hop up and you take it? <laughs> Cameo by Lee. <laughs> hop in there. It's the first time this has ever happened. Look first at him the leading the podcast. What's up, buddy? <laughs> this chair's different. I'm not used to sitting here. <laughs> it's the throne. Yeah. So where I grew up hunting, um, there's a lot of big tracks surrounded by not necessarily um, – crop ground but pasture type ground so that's where their their destination food source was was clover um and the things that i grew up hunting is um a lot of terrain features like you said kurt um where there's big drainages where you know the deer are going to come up and around instead of cutting down through a huge valley Mm -hmm. Um, that's where most of my stands were positioned um and you know your food source is acorns um, young growth, young oak trees, shrubs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And really you just got to look throughout the ground to see more or less, um, there's always food there, just not necessarily ag food. Yeah. They're going to feed. Right. Yeah. There's always something there for them to eat. You just have to figure out what their food source is for the time of year you're hunting. And like I say, just hunt terrain features more or less, you know, you're not hunting pinches really. I mean, there are pinches, but it's a different pinch. It's not a you know, the timber comes down to an angle. It's, you know, a come around or a crick creating a pinch between the crick and a ridge or transition lines between different types of trees. Um, yeah. One of the timbers I grew up hunting, there's like a a poplar line and the deer travel that like crazy. You know, it's hardwood timber and a poplar line, soft softwood trees, and it's a giant travel corridor through there. So you just more or less you have to learn where you're hunting and be out there. Yeah. Basically. A lot of similar tactics of what we use for ag type hunting yeah. back here. I mean, you're looking at terrain features that are going to naturally move the deer in a certain spot. Capitalize on that. Yep, absolutely. There you go. <laughs> First, <laughs> go back to work, Lee. You're supposed to be working. I am. He is working. <laughs> that's true too. Thanks, Lee. That's the first time that's ever happened. I've never got up to let somebody sit down in my seat. Um, Lakota uh, Pitzer. How has Austin's mid-August food plotting been? And Kurt, how is the new farm going? Anything decent to think about this fall? Um, a lot of farm questions. We're also like, that's people have been kind of wanting to know about our farm stuff. We talked a little bit in detail on it on the Loophole podcast we did with Michael uh, Winicky. So Winicky. Um, that's why I said Winicky because he's a winner. He likes that. Winicky. I know. It's kind of, <laughs> I was like, I call you Winicky because you're a winner. Um, 
How's your food plotting been? You're doing food plots this morning. I was, yeah. I'm kind of wrapping things up. Um, fortunately, last weekend, I got most of my stuff in before the big rain. We got an inch and a half of rain at home. So that's the big variable this time of year. Like we always hope, you know, mid-August, get your plots in the ground and then you get a big rain. And I timed it right and got a good rain. So hopefully we can get one or two more and get that plot up and established and going. But um I did something a little different this year. I've got a no-till drill, but I, I would go in and I found that when I work the ground first and use the no-till drill, I really get the perfect stand. Mm. So I've been going in and doing that. I'll go in and disc or till the ground and come in with that no-till drill and pop the big tine in and mm -hmm. it's it's coming up nice. Dude, did you see, I just watched uh, one of the jury videos me and Clyde did. Uh, Lee, you have to help me out. What were they using? It's like a cultipacker drill. Yeah, it's the Groundbreaker. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a like a disc up front, then it plants the seed and cult packs behind. Yeah, that's yeah. The that's kind of what I've got. It's got a disc gang up front, so you're breaking the ground, and then it's got a shoe that places the seed uh, under the soil line. You set your depth with the third link on the tractor, mm -hmm. and then it's got a rolling, uh, like a little heavy metal cult packer on the back that packs the seed in. I wonder because yours is a Casco brand. Yes. I wonder if they make one that could go on the back of like a little twenty horse tractor. Oh yeah, they make smaller ones. <clears throat> mine's a big one. They make they make one bigger than mine, but mine's an eight foot and it's it's nice. Oh, really? I like it for switchgrass. So they probably make like it. three footers? Yeah, I'm sure they do. Oh man. That'd save so much time. Yeah, it's nice. And like I said, it, it works in a strict no-till environment. Like I planted food plots last year that way, but I found in areas where I work the ground first and then go in and hit it with that drill. It's just like, that it's beautiful. Better. Yeah. Well, we, we planted some like uh, borderline type grass. Um, and it works great for that. We drilled it in and dude, it is growing. We got a bunch of rain and it is growing. Like it just popped. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, we did some along a fence line and some for the entry exit for uh, my grizzly box blind. And it just as it's beautiful. Yeah. Like I'm looking at it, I'm like, God, it's better than I thought it would even be. You know, that, that drill is almost a must for like any kind of switch grass or that borderline. It's just, it does 10 a lot times of guys better broadcast job. it though, too. You can do it and you can get away with it. I did some of it, but when I used the drill, it was like, that's the result that I want to see. It right. really did a nice job. Right. It's all in a row and yeah. pretty. And when you look at it, you're like, nice. Groomed. Um, fun fun little side story here because we got one more question um so this is from patreon guys that's where these questions were but we're going to start doing more. we're taking them from deer cast and stuff too it's just uh the way it works out so i try to include patreon um support us a little further um i thought you guys don't support us if you're not a patreon member but this was just a step even further you know we have different uh subscription levels but um i got a spot on one of the farms that i maintain and I went in there the other day, and there's a spot where it's like it goes down and it's starting to wash out. This ravine's coming into the path on the east border. And I'm like, okay, cool. Tried to get my little tractor through it. Couldn't get through the washout. Um, I got my old tractor stuck in there before. I about flipped my ranger all, all over it trying to get just maintenance. I'm, I'm not hunting. I'm doing maintenance, you know. So I go down with the tractor, and I'm like, ah, I got to get through there. I want to mow that path because it's just getting overgrown. Like, it might be a job that you got to bring your skid out and do some shredding work yeah. for me. Um, so I don't know if you're for hire for that thing for next <laughs> spring, but so I, I'm like, okay, I got a good idea. This thing's washing out. I have a bunch of old cinder blocks from that were just in my yard and stuff. So I fill my little bucket, my tractor full of cinder blocks and I go down there and I'm like, oh, perfect. So I put like six cinder blocks in it. Cause I got, it's a little bucket, you know, I can only do so many at a time without rolling end over end. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. I get off and I'm kind of like digging through, seeing where it's washed out. Turns out like I'm going to need a whole tandem load of like three inch rock you don't need to make 94 trips with the little tractor yeah so 
I got to see if I can get somebody in with a uh, dump off a bunch of rock and then take somebody with a skid, just go up and down that hill and drop yeah. and fill it in, you know, and groom it out and then put some nice gravel on it because it's just going to keep washing out and end up being um, unex- you can't even access it over on that side. So anyway, I throw these cinder blocks in there. I'm like, OK, cool. This is enough for me to get through and mow a pass. Finally get my tractor over the cinder blocks through this washout while well, on the way back. It's just a disaster. Like, I don't know if I like it was still soft and I crammed the cinder blocks down. So I'm trying to get my tractor back over and I'm <laughs> lifting the little tractor up with the bucket to try and like inch myself over. If I didn't have that bucket, it would have been just been buried. But that bucket, you can lift yourself up, you know? Yep. And I almost flipped that baby right into that washout the other day. I was like, man, I'm going to put my seatbelt on. And I'm like, hmm, nope, I want to be able to bail, which is not what you should do. Um, it just was a mess. So that's, yeah, we'll get that fixed. That sounds dangerous. It's very dangerous. So, um, it's yeah, I'm going to need your uh, your skid steer. We'll come in there and do some work. We'll tune it up. The landowner would appreciate it. I called him like, hey, man, that side, like, you're going to have a hard time. If you need to get back there and do some work, like, it's dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't go in there. You're going to... If you try to take your pickup truck, you're done. Yeah. So it's just sketchy. But that's my um, beginning of farm maintenance hustle that I'm doing to help guys and farm owners and stuff out. And it's just uh, you need big equipment sometimes for jobs like that. Yep. But you don't have, like you say, you got a buddy or you can hire somebody to come in and do yeah. some of the big work. I mean, you don't always have to have big equipment. No, that's true. Like yeah. I could get the rock dumped and then just take, do a thousand. You know, if I have to do it that way, I can do it that way. It's yep. just what's up. Uh, we'll get in there and get it all tuned up. Yeah. So, but it's also fun. It's oh, fun yeah. to do that stuff. You know, it's fun to mow. It's fun to mow the path and look back and be like, man, it's looking good. You know, it's like there's something to it. Yeah. It gives you a sense of pride. It Especially does. when it's on your own piece of dirt. Yeah, that's satisfying, man. Like, you know, I, I told my wife, oh, I got to get down to the farm and mow. Like, it looks like shit. She's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not like, yeah, you want to look nice. She goes, but it's not the yard. It doesn't need mowed every week like the yard. I'm like, <laughs> I know, but. You want the neighbors to look at it and be like, damn, this guy's taking good care of yeah, that piece. Yeah, and I went I went and drove around the, the perimeter of it, you know, like did my security check. And I'm like, it still looks good. I just want to look groomed, you know, yeah. at least the entryway. I'm the same way, man. I'm, I've been bringing my skid steer around and touching up farms for the last few weeks. And yeah. because I know my ag work's going to get busy here in a couple of weeks, so I won't have time to do it. So I'm trying to get everything done now before the farming gets busy. Well, and that's my thing. You know, like this week I'm planning on running the farm and mowing and setting up another trail camera and checking everything, re- refreshing those uh, colt scrapes that Lee put on for me. Um, and then, you know, just doing that last look around, pick out a couple of trees. I'm going to hang some stands in there before, but um, a lot of it all remain fairly mobile on it. But I know, I know two spots. I know where I'm going to spend a lot of time anyway, you know? So, yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, Bob Miller, more of an observation. Um, We're going to keep this clean (laughs) because we're on DeerCast. If every hunter had a theme song like wrestlers do, I'm saying yours would be like the Stone Cold Steve Austin type shit. When that truck door shuts and you're walking to your stand, that deer's effed. <laughs> I like that. I do like that. It's pretty good. They'd have to throw me a bourbon instead of a beer, but I, I think we could a do A bottle that. of bourbon? It's <laughs> a pre-mixed old-fashioned. You catch it with ice in it. <laughs> Clash them together. <laughs> yeah, like Ricky off of uh, of Trailer Park Boys. It's Ricky, he's always got a mixed drink with ice in it. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, yeah. there's ice in it. <laughs> Full ice all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. I know it's going to be a good year, man. Yeah, it is. It's going to be fun. And, uh, well, it's always fun to see what the guys on the crew have picture-wise. And yeah. it's going to be a good year. We're going to have a lot of fun this fall. I think so. I think so. Well, cool, man. It's kind of a mid-range length episode, but I think we cover a lot and what little time we had. 
Yeah. So I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun. Yeah, I'm glad that you were actually here to see the studio. You know, hey, we been, never get to have been a long here. time. It's been like seven or eight days. Well, we got a lot of recording to do today. We have. Uh, it's one of those days. It's it's record. So we record a lot during the week at the WCB Studios, but we plan today out. There's a ton of recordings. Like we got one more guest coming in. Then we have a call-in guest for a WCB regular episode. Then we're guesting as a crew on another podcast. And then Eric's guesting after that solo on another podcast after that. Hey, you got to make it worth the drive. Well, that's it. It's like we're all here and yep. we don't get to do it all throughout the week. So yep. that's what we're doing. So cool. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Hey, no problem, man. Thank you. You know what to do? Go shoot a giant. We love you guys. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.